Crossroad International Church podcast. We're so glad you joined us. It is our prayer that God will use this message to bring comfort to those who are hurting, give hope to those who find themselves in what seems to be a hopeless situation, and to encourage the one who is struggling through a difficult season of life. For more sermon audio, resources, or if you'd like to contact us, please visit CICKuwait.com. We'd love to hear from you. third week of our um, series answering the question that Pilate asked, what shall I do with this Jesus who is called the Christ? The first week I shared with you several ways that people treated Jesus. Judas betrayed him. The disciples forsook him. The religious leaders rejected him. Peter denied him. Pontius Pilate compromised his faith about him. The soldiers mocked him, and finally, we ended up with the thief on the cross who trusted him. And that's what God wants all of us to do, is to trust him. And then last week, Dell shared about worshiping him. And we learned that worshiping is not just what we do here on Friday, but worshiping him is a lifestyle. When we truly trust him we will worship him in everything we do and that in every way we live and when we trust him and worship him we will experience his love his grace his mercy his peace and then we want to share him so today that's what i want to spend just a few moments on the topic of what do i do with jesus We need to share him, and if you would, open your Bibles to Matthew 28, and we'll get there in just a moment. Last week, Dell gave an illustration from American football, and I'm going to follow in his footsteps today, but this illustration would fit any sport anywhere in the world. A man by the name of Doug or Bud Wilkinson, he was a famous coach for Oklahoma, and he made this statement about the game of football. He said, football is when thousands of fans are sitting in the stands in desperate need of exercise, watching 22 young men on the field in desperate need of rest. That could be any sport. American football, soccer, cricket, whatever. You have all of these fans in the stands desperately needing some exercise, watching a group of young people who desperately would like to rest. But he didn't stop there. He went on and said, And the church is much the same. There are very few in the game who are actually sharing their faith, but many who are observing. And then Billy Graham said, You can't open someone's heart to the truth of the gospel, but God can by His Spirit. The Apostle Paul wasn't eloquent, 
but God used him because he depended on the Holy Spirit to guide him. And you can see that in 1 Corinthians 2, 1 to 5. God guided many others in the Bible as well, like Moses, who at first asked God, get someone else to lead the Israelites to the promised land. Or Jonah, who didn't think the wicked Ninevites deserved God's mercy and tried to run the other way. Remember, this is a great quote from Billy Graham. Remember that God does not call the equipped. God equips the called. Every Christian is called to share Christ with those around him. Some of Christ's last words on earth were, Go and make disciples of all nations. Sharing our faith isn't just a suggestion, it is a command. And God is with you when you obey him. Matthew 28, 18 to 20, it should be up here. And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. And then 1 Peter 3.15. But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, and always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you a reason for the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. Now, I'm not going to give you a formula of how to witness. I'm not going to give you four spiritual laws or the Roman road or any of that. Because I believe the best way to be a witness, the best way to share him is by our lifestyle. So I just want to give you a few um, suggestions today, okay? You need, first, you need to prepare yourself. And the way you prepare yourself is you ask God to give you passion for people. If you do not have passion for people that are lost, you will never share Jesus with anyone. Amen? So the first thing is we have to ask God to give us a passion for people. Sharing your faith is not a program or a technique. It is a passion to see lost people know Jesus. I've been part of big churches, and we've had every evangelism seminar and every evangelism program that you can imagine. And we had hundreds and thousands of people that would go through the programs, but it always turned out a handful of people with passion for souls actually got out of the church onto the street and shared Jesus with others. It starts with the passion for lost souls. And then you have to be authentic. See, most people can identify with the ordinary. 
they can identify with real experiences that you've had in your life. So don't be afraid to let people know what God has done for you. We've had several comments people have made to me that, Pastor, we really like the way you and Dell preach because you let us know your faults. We're not afraid to share with you where we blew it. Amen? So when you're sharing with someone else, just be real with them. Be honest. Be authentic. Remember, people are not looking for perfection. They're looking for someone that's real. We'll talk about this again in a minute, but... Are you real? Or are you fake? Number three, love people unconditionally. In preparing your heart to share with people, this is probably the hardest, loving people unconditionally. Sometimes I identify with the sun... Sometimes I identify with the sons of thunder, not the sons of thunder, okay? <laughs> the sons of thunder. You remember the disciples of Jesus? There were some folks that were doing things that Jesus wasn't doing, and they said, can we just call fire down from heaven? <laughs> now be honest with me. How many of you work with some folks? That deep down in your heart, you would wish that fire would just... Now, I know I'm not the only one that's ever done that, okay? <laughs> I can honestly say I don't work with anyone now that I want fire to fall from heaven. <laughs> but in the past, I have. But see, that's what Jesus did. Jesus loved people unconditionally regardless of what they did to him. And then in prepare yourself, just share Jesus now. John 4.35, Do you not say there are yet four months and then comes the harvest? Behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes and look, for the fields are white now. 2 Corinthians 6.2, for he says, in an acceptable time I have heard you, in the day of salvation I have helped you, behold, now is the accepted time, behold, now is the day of salvation. And it is the responsibility of every Christian to share their faith with others. And then how do you share him? And again, this isn't a formula, this isn't a program. This is getting yourself prepared to be able to share Jesus with others. A guy by the name of Gary Cobb, Billy Graham Evangelistic Association, gives these five things that we need to remember. Number one, understand that your own life is a great part of your witness. If my relationship with Christ is not vital, then what am I inviting people to join me in? 
Amen? Paul said it very simply. Follow me as I follow Christ. Think about that. Think about your life on the job. Could you say to an unbeliever, if you want to go to heaven, just live like I do. Pray like I do, read the Bible like I do, give like I do, treat your spouse like I do, treat your kids like I do. That's what Paul was saying. Follow me as I follow Christ because, see, our lifestyle, the way we live, the way we act, the way we treat people speaks louder than our words. People not only listen to your words, but they look at your life. The second thing he says we need to remember is realize that we earn the right to be heard by sincerely listening to others. One of the first things you have to do before you can share the gospel with someone is you have to spend time to get to know them. That's why we call it relational witnessing or relational evangelism or lifestyle evangelism. We have to spend time listening to people's stories so we know where they are. We earn the right to speak by being listeners. Now, when I was in Bible college, we didn't do this too much. We never listened. We would just go stand on the street corner and annoy everybody that came by shouting at them that they were going to go to hell if they didn't accept Jesus and throwing tracks at them and, you know, all of this kind of stuff. We got so bold, we would even go into bars at night and start shouting in the bars, all of you hypocrites, you're all going to go to hell. Some of you are even members of churches. And we never saw anybody saved. We got kicked out of a lot of places. And then we thought we were super righteous because we were being persecuted for sharing Jesus. No, we were just stupid. <laughs> can I just be honest with you? You know, they say you can draw a lot more bees with honey than you can with vinegar. So realize you earn the right to be heard by listening to others. And then recognize that people are looking for a cure. They're looking for an answer. When you go to the doctor, normally you don't tell the doctor what your disease is. You tell the doctor what your symptoms are, and he's the professional, and he should be able to diagnose what the disease is. And that's the same way when we are sharing the gospel is I've never had someone come to me and say, oh, you know, I'm this terrible sinner and I need, I need to get forgiven. No, they come and they talk about their symptoms. Maybe at work, maybe over coffee, they'll say, you know, hey, I'm lonely I'm suffering from a broken relationship. I'm, man, really stressed out. There's darkness within me, and I don't know what to do about it. They start talking about their symptoms. 
We know what the sickness is. The scripture tells us very clearly we have all sinned and come short of the glory of God. See, when you hear the symptoms, you can start relating to them the same type of symptoms that you had. And you say, oh, yeah, you know, I was that way. And, you know, I found the answer to my loneliness. I found the answer to my broken relationships. I found the answer to what I was trying to find in drugs and alcohol. And his name was Jesus. Keep it simple. The church I used to minister in, the pastor had a thing on the pulpit in big letters, K-I-S-S. Keep it short and simple. <laughs> My dad used to say K-I-S-S had a different meaning. Keep it simple, stupid. So either one of them works, okay? Just keep it simple. The gospel is simple. The gospel basically is Jesus died for our sins, he was buried, and he rose again. That's the gospel. But sometimes we complicate it and we add in, well, this is what our denomination believes, or this is what, you know, our, we believe this. It's the blood of Jesus plus nothing equals salvation. If it's the blood of Jesus plus going to church, or the blood of Jesus plus dressing a certain way, or the blood of Jesus plus acting a certain way is salvation, that's not Bible. The blood of Jesus plus nothing is what brings me my salvation. So we just need to keep the message simple. Explain the gospel in a way that people cannot understand. And I've used this example before, but in Kenya, when you're explaining the gospel and you talk about the scripture that the blood of Jesus washes your sins white as snow... And they're living in the desert of northeast Kenya where it stays like here. Never gets below about 35 degrees anytime. And they go, what's snow? They have no concept of what snow is. So we contextualized it. There's a, there's a washing detergent for your clothes called OMO. O-M-O. They even sell it here in Kuwait. And the advertisement all over Kenya for Omo is nothing washes whiter than Omo. So we would contextualize the scripture. The blood of Jesus will wash you whiter than Omo. And all of a sudden the light came on and they understood what the scripture was talking about. Keep it simple and explain it in ways that people can understand. And then lastly, stress the love of God. John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. It starts with love. 
the gospel started because God loved us. God had a passion for souls, and he loved us so much that he gave. We need to start with a passion for souls and the love of God. Now, ultimately, we have to explain that we're sinners. We're separated from God. But that's not where we start. Don't start with the condemnation. Start with the love of God and then bring them to the place to where they want that love. And then you explain the way to get that love is by accepting Jesus as your Savior. I've never met anyone that didn't know they had done things wrong. Let me ask you, how many of you never did anything wrong before you met Jesus? Okay. How many of you have never done anything wrong since you met Jesus? See, people know they've done wrong things. The good news is, even though you've done things wrong, God still loves you. A few months ago, I gave this testimony. I was on staff at a church in the U.S. and in the state of Louisiana. If anyone wants to do a, their last will and testament on their deathbed in the hospital, there has to be three people present. Their doctor a lawyer, and a minister to attest the last will and testament when it's on their deathbed. There was a man that wanted to give his last will and testament. They called our church and said, could you send someone? So I went. Showed up. The lawyer wasn't there. The doctor wasn't there. So I started talking to this man. He was the head of the nuclear commission that oversaw the the construction of all the nuclear power plants in the United States. And he was there overseeing the nuclear power plant in our city. He was an atheist, had been an atheist all of his life, was adamant against Christians, persecuted Christians on the job, and here I am having to come in to attest his last will and testament. And so I just started sharing with him the love of Jesus. He had throat cancer. They had taken out all of his voice box, and he um, spoke with one of these little computerized things, and he kind of talked like this, sounded like a computer. And so I, you know, was telling him about, you know, Jesus loves you. He says, I've been an atheist all my life. I've never believed there was a God, and I've hated Christians all my life. God can't love me. I said, oh, yes, sir, God loves you enough that he made it possible for me to come here today and the lawyer not to show up and the doctor not to be here so I could tell you this. I said, he wants to forgive you. He says, I've been too bad. I've lived too bad a life. I'm about to die. God would never forgive me. I said, oh, yes, he will. I said, he loves you. And just started talking about the love of God. And after about 30 minutes of talking about the love of God, tears came down his face and he says, God, forgive me. And as soon as he said it, the nurse walked in. 
I'd been there by myself for probably 45 minutes. The nurse walks in, and she looks at him, and she said, Sir, what happened? I've never seen you smile before. And he put that thing up to his throat, and he says, God loves me, and Jesus is my Savior. Do you want to know him? And so I asked him, I said, what's your request? you want me to pray for you, the God to heal you? Or, I mean, you know, what do you want me to do now? And he said, I have one request. I would like to go home and die at home and not die in the hospital. But he was on, I meant tubes, machines, everything. So I simply prayed for him and said, God, just give him the desires of your heart. And the next day he was able to go home. And that night, he passed away in his own bed at home. Now, his family, since he'd been an atheist, knew no church. So since I was the one that had attested his last will and testament, we finally got that done and, you know, talked to him about Jesus. They asked us to do the funeral. And we had the funeral at our church, and it was full of all of these big wigs from the Nuclear Power Commission and the government and everything, and they were all talking about what they knew about this man. And when I got up to do the message, I said, I know something about him that no one else here knows. I said, two days ago, he accepted the love of God and asked Jesus into his heart, and now he is with Jesus for eternity, and then gave a salvation message to all of those big wigs. I don't know if anybody accepted, but that was the last thing of his earthly time here at his funeral was the gospel was preached. And at the end of the service, his wife came up to me, and she says, Pastor, for the last 30 years, every night my husband would have a dream, and in that dream, he was falling off a cliff into a fire, and just before he reached the fire, he would wake up. She said the last night that he was in the hospital and the night that he was home before he died, he did not have the dream again. See, we start with the love of God. For God so loved the world. That's where it begins. And I want to finish with a few questions that we need to ask ourselves. Number one, does my life draw people to Jesus or does it push them away? Do I know enough Bible to answer people's questions? What are some ways I can show God's love to others. This next one's a hard one because this is where the work starts. What person at work needs a good dose of God's love? And then lastly, what can I do to share Jesus with them? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come to you and we thank you for your word. Father, we thank you that that question was asked by Pilate, what shall I do with Jesus who is called the Christ?
And Father, that same question is asked to every man, woman, boy, and girl on the face of this earth. And Father, for those of us sitting here today, we have to answer that question. And Father, I pray that every one of us answered like the thief on the cross. And Jesus, we trust in you and we follow you. And then, Jesus, we worship you when we come to this place on Friday and every day of our life in the market, at work, on the highway. And then, Father, we share Jesus with others. Father, help us to understand that we don't have to be theologians, we don't have to be Bible school graduates. We don't even have to know all of the Bible from Genesis to Revelation. Father, we do need to let people know what has happened to us and to give the good news of our testimony as a witness that what God has done for me, God can do for you. Father, it's our lifestyle that witnesses more than our words. Help us to have listening ears to those around us. And, Father, to love people unconditionally. And I ask right now that every one of us, Father, that you would give us a passion for souls like we've never known before. And I thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen.